Welcome to the Guardians of Grace podcast. Relax, you have found the right place. We're here to serve. Join us, holding to pure grace. Again, relax, join in with us. Listen on, be blessed. Hello again, everyone, and Happy New Year, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Guardians of Grace podcast, first one of 2024. My name's Bill, and I'm sitting across the table from my old buddy, sorry, my good buddy, Grace Guard Dog Steve, who I can't see because I'm fighting the ravages of a sinus infection. I don't want to cough on him, so I put up a screen, so... We can't even really see each other. So Thank this, you, this Bill. Should be Thank interesting you, Bill, for that screen. I hear your voice, so I know you're over there. Yes, yes. Amen to that. Yep, I'm good. I'm glad to be here myself, man. Nothing better than letting the rivers of living water flow out of the belly. That's the greatest high that there is, as far as I'm concerned, is just letting the scriptures flow. I could do this all day or all night. It never gets old. The more you do it, the more energy and excitement you get. The further down this rabbit trail, the more excited you get. As you're, Whether you're just studying the scriptures or me and you are just talking about them, it always just builds and builds and builds. It's hard to do a podcast sometimes because we get so excited. We're thinking about things and we just... Like, oh, we came here to do a podcast. <laughs> we should start. So we're going to get started. And uh, But before we start, we should probably review a little bit on Ephesians 4 that you did as the podcast okay. last week. We want you out there to, to know about the first three chapters of Ephesians because that's what we're going to do a podcast or two on the the last chapters of Ephesians and what perspective you have to have when you're reading those last chapters of Ephesians. It may take us a few weeks to get through this one, let's call it a study, this one study of Ephesians or the last half of Ephesians, which is what we're going to be digging into there there's there you go there's the word digging into we're going to dig into the meanings plural that are in Ephesians 4 through 6 yeah and you you did a an amazing job on 4 last week bringing out that perspective of old man and new man and uh, maybe you could just review that quickly but we're going to touch on it again yeah I guess the last podcast I did was on eternal statements and temporal statements is what I'm trying to say because it was talking as past tense about things that were present tense. And sometimes it was talking about things that are present tense that were actually in the past. In the in, same sentence. In the same sentence or in the same chapter. And it, grammatically speaking, it didn't make sense. But if you understand that God can give you an eternal point of view, then immediately jump to a temporal point of view and then go back to that eternal view. Like 
clean out the old leaven, just as in fact you already have cleaned out the old leaven, so clean it out again. There he went from an eternal statement, which is in the imperative mood to clean out something that from an eternal point of view, was already cleaned out by God and Jesus. Then he goes back, so clean it up. Back goes back to talking about how to clean up what in God's eyes was already cleaned up. That's what I was trying to say, what in God's eyes was already cleaned up. And what I also want to try and say, or was trying to say, is that we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 4, 5, and 6. And if you think that chapters 4, 5, and 6 were the practical side of the book after it taught you the mystical sides or the mysteries in 1, 2, and 3, if you thought now it's going to get practical, you still, you actually need the prayers that I'm going to ask Bill to quote, because I think you should pray those prayers, Bill, before we even start a study of Ephesians. Do you mind? No, I don't. And I, before the accident, I had all these prayers memorized, and I don't know if I still do or not, but I call them the epinosis prayers. Yes. Because... They're the they have that epi word tied into gnosis, which is the word we get for experiencing the Holy Spirit, but it's in a epi way or a superimposed way. We get our word epic, I believe, from that. It's so these these two prayers have that epinosis word into them, and the first one is in Ephesians one. I think it starts in. 17, maybe? Yes, and it's praying for epic knowledge. Help me start it. It's, I pray that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened, that we would know the hope of our calling, the riches of our inheritance, and the incomparably great power that's available to us, like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ his Son, when he raised him from the dead, we're going to get to the ascension part, raised him from the dead and seated him in heavenly places far above all rule, authority, power, and dominion and every title which can be given not only in this age and the age to come. And then the other one is in Ephesians 3. It says, I believe it says, for this reason I kneel before the Father from whom Every family in heaven and earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he would strengthen us with power in our innermost being where Christ dwells is at home in our hearts through faith and that all of us being rooted and established in love would have power to grasp how high and how wide and how long and how deep is the love of Christ and to epinosis this love, epically know this love that surpasses knowledge. Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or think according to the power that's at work within us, to him be the glory and honor in the church through all generations. So how high, 
wide and long and deep are four measurements. And then he says now he's able to do... Immeasurably. So they're not measurable measurements. They're in... Immeasurable measurements. They're immeasurable <laughs> yes, yes. measurements. We, and you need the Spirit's power to grasp them, to comprehend them. That's why I was going to say the reason we're asking you to read and memorize these passages and start praying them is because you need the Spirit's power to understand these spiritual thoughts expressed in spiritual words and the prayers we're praying for the Spirit's power. And this is a testimony that Guardians of Grace has. It's it's not one that we say is our testimony, but it's one that other people say is our testimony, is that this spirit of wisdom and revelation is transferable. We can't tell you how many people have just naturally received a spirit of wisdom and revelation and began to see things they had never seen in the Bible, which is what Guardians of Grace is about. You can't see them. Just showing rev. And it takes the Spirit of God to have the ears to hear and the eyes to see this rev and to have a mind that understands it because naturally, the natural man cannot receive the things of the Spirit of God. And I'm, you know, referring to 1 Corinthians 2, where it talks about the natural man can't receive these things, but the spiritual man can. And it says, you have the mind of Christ in the last verse of chapter 2. We have the mind of Christ. Please allow the mind of Christ to interpret and gain insight into these scriptures. That's what we want you to do when we look at Ephesians 4, 5, and 6. We want you to use the mind of Christ, not the mind of Steve or Bill or the intellect of a scholar. We don't care whether you're a scholar and listening to you to us. Don't use your own human intellect, which is far better than ours to use, but use the mind of Christ. It's Pray. important to see that you just said the, the mind of Christ. And it says the natural man does not accept these things, but the spiritual man does accept these things. That's not talking about two people. It's talking about you and your natural mind can't receive it, but you in the mind of Christ can receive it. That's why we prayed those two prayers, because the, the spirit is what's going to reveal this to us. That's why Paul was praying that we'd receive a spirit of wisdom and revelation, which is equal to receiving the mind of Christ. He was exactly. Same thing. Yes. So we wanted to start out just making sure you purpose to memorize Ephesians 1, 15 and following. Yeah, 17. And yeah, 17 and following. And, and 3, 14 and... Okay, 314 and following. Just purpose to memorize those. Try to. See how well you do. Just read them over and over. Maybe read them before you begin a Bible study. 
they're so powerful. One of my testimonies, I don't mean to drag the podcast out, but I did have an accident and I can't remember anything anymore. But those prayers still stick in my mind, which means they're not really related to my brain mind. They're just, my spirit knows them. And we were made to memorize those those passages close to 30 years ago. Getting and old, getting old. I can't remember anything, but I, you put me in um, Ephesians 1, 2, and 3, and 4, and it, it, just it comes all comes back. back. I memorized that letter yes. at one time in my life, and it's still there. That's, that's the amazing thing. That's why in First John it says you do not have, need a man to teach you because you have the anointing to teach you, and it's real, and it's not counterfeit, and it teaches you to abide in Christ. Use his power when you're asking for guidance from the Holy Spirit, which guides you into everything that Jesus said. You remember Jesus said, he'll bring back to your memory everything I said. Well, all these scriptures are what the Holy Spirit through people said. Everything Jesus said throughout all the people, just like that passage in in Timothy where it says these people were searching with great intentness as to the times and the seasons that Jesus was predicting when he prophesied about his death through those people. It was Jesus prophesying about his own death through those prophets and that they they studied what they had said because they didn't know what they had said. They studied and inquired about it because it had no meaning. What they were saying had no meaning to them. It, it only had meaning 700 or 1,000 years later. That was the aha moment. moment. Yeah, that came a 1,000 years later for those. But see, God kept those people clueless as to what they were talking about, even though they were the ones saying it. And it's interesting. You just quoted in First John that you need not a man teach you but the anointing teach you. In uh, Ephesians 3, which is, no, 4, where we want to start, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts to men. And it says, these gifts are apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, for the equipping of the saints till we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, so that we will no longer be as children tossed back and forth by the ways and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming and said, speaking the truth and love, we will in all things grow up to him as his head, that is Christ, <laughs> whose whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Does its work. So, yeah, it's it's still in my mind, and it's amazing me. Um not even looking at a Bible when I quoted all that. I didn't even know I knew, still remembered all that. But do you see how it, he gave some to be apostles, prophets, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints till we all reach unity? And you don't you you get the idea that it pastors and teachers 
prophets and the like are gifts from God. They're just vessels. There's nothing special or unique, but God gifted them to make the new covenant, which was hidden from generations past, known to us. So with, without that anointing, we can't go from Ephesians 3 and carry on in the Spirit. We'll want to say, okay, good, Paul, I understand that. Good positional truth teaching there. Now let's go make it practical in chapter 4. And when we do that, we're right on the wrong, we're starting off on the wrong foot yeah, already. We're on the wrong track. We're and doomed. Yes, that's why these... And we all did it, or I did it. Ephesians 4, 5, and 6, let me say it as loudly as possible, is not the practical side of Ephesians. No. It's not at all. There, there's plenty of revelation in there, and it's a way to live the exemplary Christian life that you want to. That's what Paul said. This is my way of life in Christ Jesus that I teach everywhere in every church, which he was teaching the church of Ephesus, this way of life in Christ Jesus and not in human performance and not in human burden, but in the power of the grace of God, namely in the power of Jesus Christ. That's how we live. We live by grace, not by the law. We live by the power of grace in us to do for us what we can't do for ourselves. So, Ephesians 4, I'm so convinced it's attached to Ephesians 3, and I'll let you read the first line in Ephesians 4. Okay, you want me to do it now? Could you? Sure. Therefore. Wait. The, no, don't do it, Bill. Don't do it. I know Can what I, you're going to do. Don't do it. Just the last time I'll do it. Okay. Whenever you see the word therefore, you have to ask yourself a question. What is that therefore, therefore? Okay. Now you heard it from, from Bill out of his own words. He said that's the last time. Sorry, I run the anointing there. Go ahead, Steve. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Therefore, the prisoner of the Lord entreat you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you have been called. And we need to stop there for a second. He says, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord entreats you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. In other words, he's telling this person, these people, that you have been called to do something. You now have a calling on you. And the callings and gifts of God are irrevocable. So he's given you a gift according to the calling that he has for you. That means according to the purpose he has for Christ Jesus in you 
to work out. That's why it can say earlier in Ephesians, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do works that he prepared prepared in advance. He prepared in advance for us to walk in them, not walk in our human effort and accomplish them. We walk in the Spirit's power and fulfill what God caused us to be for because he made some of us to be apostles, some of us to be pastors. He, We are all empty vessels and he equipped some of us as vessels to do certain things. And it doesn't say walk so God will be happy with you in your own human effort because that covenant is over with. He says, walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Do you remember that one passage that says, without holiness, no one will see the Lord? Without working in a manner worthy of the Lord, nobody will see the Lord. In other words, walk right so that we can see the Lord because only the Lord will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. And see, I always thought that meant be committed as a Christian. And I spent a lot of time trying to recommit myself to being a Christian based on this false thought that I could commit myself not even realizing what the word commit means. What it really means is to give your complete whole self totally over, like basically go to the cross. It means try harder next time. (laughs) Simply simplified. It means try harder with your human nature next time. And that will get you into so much trouble because when you're trying harder, you're not resting. And when you're resting, you're not trying harder. So and when you're resting, then you are walking in a manner worthy, worthy of the Lord. You're waiting, you're abiding, you're remember our word waiting, those that wait on the Lord. It's the Kabbal word to bind together, mm-hmm. exchange strength. Yes. It's the same word as Jesus said, talked about abiding means the same thing. He said, if the eye is single, that's the the word, can't remember the exact word, but the word for, if the eye is single, pleco. Pleco. It's to entwine together. If the eye is, if what you see as Christ in you, you're plecoing, if that's a word. Yeah, if I see Christ in you, that means you are plecoing. Yes, or kabaying. Or kabaying. Or abiding or abiding, or manifesting. Or manifest. I'll mean the same thing. Yes, or walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. Which would be dependent. His life is worthy of the Lord. Only thing that's worthy of the Lord are the things that he does through us. And Paul hasn't changed the message when he got to Ephesians 4 and said, therefore, walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. He's talking about walk in a manner that is in the power of God so that it shines like the way you have been called because 
Well, look at verse 4. It says there is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and actually in all. But to each one of us, grace, giftings was given according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Therefore, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. That's where we got that. He gave some to be apostles, pastors, and teachers. Okay. Did you guys get that? Did you see how much of what Bill just read depended on God and not our human nature? Did you see that? How it says you're part of one spirit when you were called. Remember, walk in a manner worthy of the calling that you have. Well, you're one body and one spirit when you're walking in the manner of that. God the Father is over you and in you. This grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. The gifts and callings are irrevocable. Do you see how much of this, these first six verses are telling you to depend on God to do what you need to do? And it seems like for most of us, we just... See the thing, walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Okay, I better try harder. That's the only thing someone understands out of all this. That's because all of this, these are the spiritual words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual thoughts and spiritual words, and we just don't understand them. We don't understand the lingo that Paul is using here because he has developed a lingo and it comes out in this passage right here. I actually developed a walk worthy of the Lord in my legalistic days. I tried to position myself a certain way and carry at least two Bibles under my arm. <laughs> so look where it says, verse eight, therefore, when he ascended on high, he took captivity captive, and gave gifts to men. This needs to be unpacked. Yes. But I got a confession to me. I I never knew what ascended mean. It, it's until uh, not too long ago, King Charles ascended to the throne. So I was watching it, and they said that it said the ascension of King Charles. I'm like, oh, that's what that means. When he died for all our sins, he was able to be, when he raised from the dead, he became king and he ascended on high. He physically ascended and he also ascended into the position of king over all. And look at the difference. The first king under the, or the, I guess it would be the third king under the law is where this quote comes from. When he ascended on high, he took captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. And the first king, let's see, it was Solomon's son. Remember, he came, became king and he had these advisors and he said, what should I do? He sure was a dirty dog. 
and his advisor told him, you should lighten their burden and take away the severity of the way you're punishing them when they mess up by whipping them. Those were his own citizens. Those were Israeli citizens that these advisors were talking about because he, the king was treating his own people as if they were slaves. And then, so he talks to another group of people and said, no, don't lighten their burden and don't lighten the way you punish them. Pile on their, their burden and actually their punishment for not keeping the burden, you need to make the whips even worse. You need to put shards in them so they really damage and they really get the message. And sadly, sometimes you go to church and you feel like, man, he just doubled the burden on me and just beat me unmercifully, whipped me. I used to say he's got his finger on my chest this time. And we thought that was good. Yeah, yeah. So you had this one group that said you should lighten the load and lighten the severity of the punishment. Another group said, no, you should double the load and double the severity of the punishment. When you're thinking in the mind of the flesh and not the mind of the Christ, you think the way to get people to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord is you better double up on the punishment and double up on the threats and and double up on the burden that you're putting on them. So, well, what did Jesus say, Bill? About the burden? Yes. I believe he said, take my yoke upon you, for my burden is light. My yoke is easy. My yoke is easy. Okay, so what did he say about when Solomon's son was supposed to make the whip sharper and the punishment more severe. What did he say about that? Jesus said, by my stripes, you are healed. He took all the severest, he took the worst beating any human being in the history of the world has ever took with the shards, with the it, it was the Romans that did it to him, so they didn't have a 40 minus 1 rule. They could go until their arms were tired, and they did. The difference between what this king, which is where it's quoted from, it says, when he ascended on high, he took captivity captive, and he gave gifts to men, which is grace. The, the king that he's referred to here when he ascended on high, he wanted to double their board burden, which is the opposite of gift, wouldn't it be? And he says, there is no punishment. I took it all for you. There is no retribution for when you mess up. There is, it's, it's grace. And he says he gave gifts to men. And gifts is uh, Doria, and we also get our word uh, Keros, which is grace gifts. So he gave us gifts. Sorry, that's easy for me to Griffs, say. Gifts, that's grace gifts. Griffs. Made a new, new word. word. Made a new word. Now, what is the meaning of it? He ascended, this is in verse 9, except that he also descended to the lower regions of the earth 
the very one who descended is also the one who ascended above all the heavens in order to fill all things. It was he who gave, these are these gifts, he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the works of ministry. That is, to build up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, a mature man, attaining to the measure of Christ's full stature. Okay, so if we try and encapsulate that, let me, let me just think for a minute. So you're saying he, he took the beating with the super sharp whips for us that paid our sin debt. Then he ascended on high that he may fill all things in all ways. And he gave, at, he, coming back down now in, in spiritual form, in spiritual form, he entered certain people, certain vessels that were cleaned out, ready. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works that God prepared in advance. So here we are. He's coming back down after he ascended now with what it takes for each of his vessels to do the work that God prepared for them to do before the world began. But it, it says he gave some to be prophets, some to be apostles. He gave some to be evangelists and teachers for the works of service. Remember the, all these evangelists and prophets and teachers, they were vessels that God was going to fill and he gave them what they are now. In other words, he gave the prophet the gift of prophecy for works of service because he was a workman created in Christ Jesus and he was a workman created to prophesy. So Christ entered him with the gift of prophecy to make him ready for that work of service so that it builds up all the whole body, all the people in us are built up and united in the faith until, listen to this, listen to this, until we all reach the full measure of the stature of Christ. Do you know what that's saying? Can you get any idea about what that is saying? It's saying that we're filled up to the full measure of Christ. That would mean we were perfectly holy. If we're filled to the full measure of Christ, we're just like Christ. There is no sin in us. He's saying he gives these gifts so that we would be filled up, each and every one of us, in hopes that we'd be filled up to the full measure and just walk blamelessly on this planet. We are blameless in God's eyes, but blameless in the people around us so that they see us walking perfectly. And this is saying he sent those gifts down to earth for that reason, that we would 
the whole body would become more and more and more perfect as they begin to be more and more and more like Jesus because they're depending more and more and more on the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God is doing more and more and more in them because of the calling God had when he made them his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do works which he prepared in advance for those people to do. And we're now going towards what Paul said. He says, I press forward to the higher calling of Jesus. He said that in Philippians, the higher calling of Philippians. Here it says some are called to be pastors, some are called to be preachers, some are called to be apostles. Well, there's this hope that each one of you have is that we were taking captive to fulfill a higher calling of God in Christ Jesus than we are right now. In other words, God's got certain jobs for us to do right now, and he's given us enough spirit to do those jobs. But if we have a higher calling, like to be a pastor or a teacher, well, then we have more of the supply of Christ. Isn't that what he, Paul said in Philippians 2? I'll not be put to shame in anything through your prayers and a supply of Christ. Well, if we're called to do something pretty big for God, then we have the supply of Christ to do it. And all that is being spoke about right here in this passage. If you understand the lingo of Paul in Ephesians 3. He is speaking a certain lingo. He's using many terms of art, and you have to know what those terms of art are and how they're being changed and how they're being used. You have to understand that to understand this passage here as it breaks down into chapter 4. But you see, it does have meaning, and it's about the ushering in of this new covenant. It absolutely has meaning. And if we understand this, then we'll we'll take verses like in chapter 5 where it says, Be not drunk with wine, but instead be filled with the Spirit. And how do we interpret it? Oh, you, you better not drink. He, he's making a comparison. He's saying, being drunk on wine, don't do that, but be filled with the Spirit. Because to be filled with something means to have an influence over you. Someone, it has an influence over you. Whatever is filling you... Is influencing you. Is influencing you. You hear, that guy's full of anger. That mm-hmm. guy's full of jealousy. Mm-hmm. That guy's... Mm-hmm. He's under the influence of... I was going to say, that guy's full of... You know what I mean. He's under the influence of. He's under the influence. So he's making a comparison just as someone can be under the influence of wine or too much wine. You can also be under the influence of the spirit. That's, That's what it means. To be influenced means to be under the control of. The answer to everything is to be filled with the spirit to be to be under the influence of the spirit and that's how he ends chapter 3 right he says 
that we might know the height and depth and width and length of the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that we would be what? Filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So we want to be controlled to the measure with the Spirit of God. That's what the new covenant is about. It's not, hey, you better not drink wine anymore. You're you're a Christian. It's He's comparing something. He's saying, don't be in, under the influence of anger. Don't be under the influence of jealousy. Don't be under the influence of the law, which puts you under the influence of all the flesh. He's saying, don't be under the influence of the flesh and respond to it. Be under the influence of the spirit, which will make you under the control of the spirit. I'm not controlled by jealousy and envy and anger and all those things. Mm-hmm. I'm now I'm I'm under the influence of the spirit. And now how do I get to the influence of under the influence of the spirit? It was that prayer. Get a revelation of how high and how wide and how long and how deep is the love of Christ and know this love that surpasses not it's immeasurable it's immeasurable he's enabled to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or think did you know it's possible to be under the influence of the love of god and if we're under the influence of the love of god we're going to be controlled by the love of god the love of god which is also the spirit of god and we're going to fulfill everything that we think ephesians 4 5 and 6 is telling us to do but if we're trying to do the things we think Ephesians 4, 5, and 6 is telling us to do in our flesh, we're going to be under the influence of the flesh, and we're not going to do any of them. That's why chapters 1, 2, and 3 are so important. That's why those two prayers are so important. You have to epinosis this. You have to experience the Spirit. And when you experience the Spirit, anything, any commandment of God becomes effortless because it's not you doing it. You're under the control or influence of the Holy Spirit. You are not the doer. He is the doer. He becomes the doer of the Word in and through you. Yes. And it becomes an effortless life. And so these gifts to men that he's talking about when he ascended... He didn't double the burden. He actually gave us gifts. And these gifts are grace gifts, and they equip us to live the Christian life. They equip us to do everything in Ephesians 4, 5, and 6 that we think are commandments. They sort of are commandments, but they're actually promises. We'll, we'll give them their proper perspective. Could you maybe close us in prayer because we're running out of time now? Okay, I was just going to say, if you see this, the Ten Commandments stop becoming Ten Commandments, they become Ten Promises that you'll effortlessly walk in by the Spirit. And you'll never walk in them by human effort. That's why it's so vitally important that we understand Ephesians 4, 5, and 6. And that's by prayer. Father God, enlighten us. Enlighten our eyes. Give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation 
allow us to go back through Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 again and again and again until it registers in us that he did it all. It is finished. Is the, pro- the most proper thing Jesus could have said. It is finished. And he's equipped us with the Spirit. And I pray that this podcast nudges you to depend on the Spirit. More than nudges you. I hope it knocks you over. And Amen. allows you to, to, to walk in the gift and the grace of God. And I thank you that uh, I wish our time hadn't gotten away because we just barely got started, but maybe for another time. But in, at this time right now, I pray, Father God, that you reveal to us the height, depth, and width, and length of your love for us that surpasses knowledge, that blows our mind. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, you guys. We, we could have done 10 podcasts on just the few little scriptures that we went over, but hopefully you you see at least a smidgen of the revelation that are in those passages. And we'll return to them next week. So hope you guys follow us next week. And we love you guys and want to say good night tonight. Good night, you guys. We love you. <laughs>